Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hey, hey, everyone. Amanda here from Gates Interior Design, and um, as usual, I am under the weather. I swear to holy heaven, I feel like every time I've done this podcast in the last, I don't know, two months or so, I'm sick. Um, But the good news is I have a really, really rad designer on the show today. Her name is Taylor Spellman, and I'm super excited to uh, jump in with her. She is a designer out of New York City, and um, it's really a funny story. Uh, Corey, who is ahead of her PR, and I have been talking, gosh, I don't know. It feels like forever. It feels like we've been talking for like two years. Uh, I think, honestly, Corey and I have been talking probably since last September, trying to get this interview set up. But um, it's finally here. I remember when we set it up, I remember we were talking about when we would actually get it recorded. And we were talking about like, well, can we do it this month? Can we do it this month? And then we finally landed on January. And I remember thinking, oh my God, January, that's forever away. And here we are. So Taylor Spellman is this incredible designer, as I said, that's out of New York City, and I love her story. She actually was a dancer and moved to New York to um, do dancing, I guess. We're going to find out more about that today, and um, said that she basically fell into uh, interior design, I believe, um, because she wanted to actually make money. And so what I love about Taylor, um, and other interior designers that I've seen that have been super successful and done really well actually have degrees in business and not interior design. Toby Fairley is another one. So today, Taylor, I am definitely going to be talking to her and diving in with her about this business degree and how that has helped her as an interior designer and meet the success um, and actually do a profitable business. I actually read on her website that at any given time, she's handling over $30 million. And that's impressive because interior designers, um, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that we are handling a lot of money. And that's a really big, responsibility, right? You know, we're handling uh, $30 million. We need to be responsible about it. So um, super excited about talking with uh, Taylor today. We're going to dive into uh, how you go from dancing to interior design, uh, getting a business degree and really launching uh, a really super successful interior design business that has now landed her on Bravo TV of being a host and interior designer, yours, mine, and ours, I believe is what it's called. And just a side note, as Taylor and I were recording, she was in the process of driving. And so some of the audio sections actually got kind of garbled up. I tried to clean it up as best as I could, um, but some of them I did leave in just because I thought it was relevant to the story um, or the conversation. So I apologize. Just bear with us. It turns out to be a really fantastic interview. Um, Let's dive in. All right, everybody, I have the one and only Taylor Spellman on the show today. Welcome, welcome. Woohoo! Thanks for having me. <laughs> I am so thrilled. Um, it's funny, I was just saying in the intro uh, before you and I jumped on, um, Corey and I have been um, talking back and forth, which feels like a year. I think it's only been maybe four or five months, but I remember right? when we uh, scheduled it, it, you know, we couldn't get it on the books until January. In my mind, I was thinking, oh my God, this is like so far away. Like January is like a year from now. Right. And And then here we are. And here we are. (laughs) But, um, I'm thrilled to have you here because I love the fact that you have a business degree. And so I definitely want to dive into that and, and get some, um, uh, I think well-needed information for a lot of designers that are out that listen to the show. But before we dive into the really good and what I feel is the meaty stuff, let's back up just a little bit and tell people how you got into interior design from being a dancer. (laughs) I'm fascinated with this. 
the the correlation isn't isn't that obvious. Um, yeah, so I I was a dancer. I went to a performing arts high school, and then I came to New York City to dance with Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and uh, that was a fantastic experience. The you know dancing with Alvin Ailey is just like you, these are the top dancers in the world. So it was interesting because when I grew up in Connecticut, I was the best dancer. I'm so amazing. And then you get to New York and it's like, you know, I'm surrounded by the best of the best. And suddenly I'm not so good anymore. So it was an interesting um, dose of reality. But I enjoyed the creative process. I enjoyed the arts. I enjoyed just creating in general. But at the same time, I also wanted to be able to pay my own rent eat food and drink drinks, which you can't really do as a dancer. So I switched over to a business major and graduated college and was just trying to think of um, what I really wanted to do with my life. And I noticed that in New York City, there are all these uh, men who make tons of money, are very successful, have great clothes, great shoes, went to a wonderful college, have a great job, and then you go back to their apartment, and their apartment is a complete nightmare disaster. Oh, and I started no. to think to myself, all right, are these men not having a home that's, you know, what I know they would want it to be because they don't care, or is it because there's a gap in the market and nobody has thought about interior design for men? And, you know, oftentimes when you see a hole in the market like that, you have to wonder, is it a hole because no one's thought of it yet? Or is it because it's just a bad idea? And I really felt strongly that if there was a service that was offered, you know, um, interior design for bachelor pads, th it would be well received. And that's how it kind of one thing led to another. And ultimately it was a business idea, but I would, I got to be able to be super creative and create homes and one thing led to another and then the company just grew and grew. So that's how it went. And would you say, and I'm, by the way, I love the idea of, you know, being the big fish in the small pond and then, yes. you know, reality. I think that happens for a lot of people, but you know, I think that's a good dose of life and, and like really show you, shows you your strengths and teaches you who you are to your core. But, um, yes, were you, I think that's one of the fascinating things about creativity is that it does allow you to kind of spread your wings and touch a lot of different things. Um, so yeah, would you say that you were always kind of interested? Did you always have kind of design in the background and, and that's yes. how you, okay. Cause I was wondering sure. about that. Like, you know, you just, it, it, it seems like, Oh, well, I was a dancer and then, well, that didn't work out. So I just became a designer. <laughs> yeah. It, that sounds a little, that's a little dumbed down, I guess I should it, it was always a passion and I enjoyed it so much and it always felt like a part of my life and I was always creating spaces for myself, my family, my friends, you know, even like in my college dorm, I had this most elaborate situation that I didn't realize was elaborate until I got to college and everybody else showed up with like a sleeping bag. I'm like, guys, where are your wall coverings? You know, <laughs> so what's right? Where's your, where's your overhead lighting that you brought with you? Like what's going on here? So I think um, it, it was such an obvious part of my life that when I really tried to start to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? I kept thinking, 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 and I was like, that just kind of always came to the top. I love interior design, so why not that? And then at that particular time, I really liked working with men because it was just um, just a little more straightforward. I'd been working in fashion at Gucci and another fashion company before that, and I was like... There was a lot of catty girls around me, and I didn't really like that much. So um, it was kind of a process of elimination. But at the same time, I have always absolutely loved interior design and have always done it. So, yeah, it was there. Yeah, and I find that a lot with interior designers is that um, there is this innate ability to just see beauty in the world. And, mm -hmm. like... Um, there's also this ability to where you go into a room and it can actually deplete you and zap you and unmotivate you if it's ugly. Like I, I see that a lot with interior design. For sure. And so we, we have this ability to 100%. wear. 100%. Yeah. And we want to make it beautiful um, because that way we can thrive. 
And so I think that's the, the beauty of interior design is, is uh, how we can yeah. see it and then how we can, you know, transform a space um, to get that end result. Because, you know, like you said, with wall coverings and pillows and things like that, I mean, some people have it and some people don't. Right. And that's why I think um, I'm not knocking schooling by any means. I think schooling is very important and it's necessary and to learn, you know, I, in a way I wish that I had learned more prior to just jumping into the fire. But I do believe that interior design is sort of in you or it's not in you. And, you, you know, you kind of have that ability to see things before they exist and know, you know, what's going to feel good and what's not going to feel good. So school helps, but school is not the make or break. You know, it's like anything else. You either kind of have it or you don't. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I think that's a, a great um, introduction to the fact that you have a business degree. I feel like um, a formal education does help in some things, and I think it does prepare you. But, yes, you either have it or you don't, and, and schooling cannot teach you that. But where I see a lot of designers fail is that they don't have the, the business acumen. And so what happens is, is that it truly becomes a sacrificing art where they are, you know, killing themselves to make beautiful spaces, but they have zero idea how to make profit and how to run a stellar business. Um, and uh, Gail Doby, who is actually an interior design coach, has done a study for the last several years and has learned that the average interior designer only makes $26,000 a year, which is less than minimum wage. Thank you. So I want to know how you're, yeah. Yeah. I know, wow. right? Um, and that's, and I have actually, you know, I've interviewed yeah. a lot of designers here on the show and I go to a lot of trade shows and I find that that is actually dead on. Um, and the reason why they are mm -hmm. able to be successful or stay um, in their businesses is because they have another person in their life, like a husband who's helping them. So how has right. having, and I, I see also the designers who are really successful do have either an accounting background or a business background, Toby Fairley included. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how has your business degree helped you run, run a business that, you know, basically is thriving but also feeds your soul but at the same time is an actual business i mean at the end of the day this is a business and you have to put bread on your table so how has that helped you? right yeah and at the end of the day now i have to put bread on my table and about 15 other people's tables so the stakes have have increased a great deal um let's see that's a big question yes yeah, sorry <laughs> loaded question right <laughs> yeah it's like where to begin um well first of all it's trial and error and second of all, I feel like when you're just starting out, it's because you're selling something that is in a way objective and in a way kind of an art form, it's not as concrete as I'm selling you this bottle of water, therefore it is 100% $1.99. You know, we're selling something that's nuanced. So there's an almost innate level of insecurity attached to it because it's, it's kind of, it's, it's artistic versus just finite. So for me, it's taken me a long time to get up the nerve to say, I am worth this much money per hour and you can take it or leave it. And I think so, I would just say in the beginning, the first thing that I would give it in terms of a piece of advice is work on your confidence so that you can be a good business person. Because that part takes a minute. You're not just going to out of the gate charge all these fees and, and feel confident about it. You know, it takes a minute. And it's, it's again, it's not like you're opening up a bakery where this costs X and this costs Y and that's the end of the story. You know, you kind of have to build that up. And that has taken me a minute to feel confident about. You know, the other day someone said, how much are you an hour? And I just threw it out there just to see what would happen. And I said, it's $1,000 an hour because it was a consulting project. And they said okay. And I was like, holy crap, really? You know? So like <laughs> I had to like, I, but that's how you get better at it too. And that's how you build your confidence. But anyway, to backtrack to the root of the question, it's basically figuring out how to balance the line between being an artistic person who's creating something beautiful. And then on the other hand, 
being a staunch business person who keeps the bottom line in mind at all times and making sure that, you know, your revenue stream is there and that you're always profitable and, and quickly find out where are you profitable and where are you not profitable. And that sounds like an obvious thing, but it's not because next thing you know, you found out that this client that you thought was great, you're just bleeding out because they're sucking the life out of you and trying to get free things and, you know, overworking you. And because also too, it's usually a passion based work interior design. You know, you're, you're passionate about it. You're having fun with it. You know, are you recording all of your hours? I bet you most of the time you're not, you know, and are you like, I still do that. Sometimes I kind of get lost in it because I'm creating something and I forget, Oh yeah, that was three hours worth of time that I was going through the D and D building and making this. So be very stringent with how you structure that because like it gets lost very, very quickly. And then also too, I just would say, don't apologize. You know, Hey, you called me, you want me to come and do this service. And the reason why you called me is because I'm a master at it and you can't do it yourself. So there's, that takes some confidence too. And, and then try not to eat. Even I sometimes will be like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll give you that hour for free. But it's like, why? You know, a doctor wouldn't. Right. And I think those are very wise words because it is easy to get lost in it. And I think that um, what has, there's been a huge misconception, I feel. I've been in the business for about 15 years and I feel like in the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, there's, there's a growing misconception on um, the value of an interior designer and what they bring to the table and the overall cost that a project should be. And I think that so many people, like I get it all the time where people will call me and they'll be like, well, I want to completely redo. In fact, I just had this happen about six months ago. A lady called me and she's like, I want to redo my kitchen and I want to redo my living room and I want to redo my bedroom and I want to do some things to the office and I have $10,000. And I was like, well, that's great. I can't help you with that. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's absolutely, absolutely nothing I can do with that. And, and I see, I I hear a lot of consumers get kind of flabbergasted like, Oh, well, it's just because you're charging too much and you're too expensive. And it's, I think if you're a young designer, because you're in touch with reality. Right. And I think, but a lot of younger designers or those who aren't in touch with that, um, profit center where their profits are, um, they hear that and then they start to believe what the consumer is telling them. Oh, okay. Right. And then so they start cutting their cost and or their um, their fees, and fees. they're the ones that are losing out. Um, right. And I think that that's such a, a shame because I it is easy to you know it is very easy to go to a design center and it could easily take three hours to find the perfect fabric and a client has a really hard time understanding that and they also have a hard time understanding that it may take you three hours of surfing the internet to find the 32 inch walnut and marble table that they you know say that they want but you have to try to find and it took you three and a half hours to do it so right Everything is all about time and, and how it, it, it's and, and I should also back up and say it's not even just about the time. It's the vision. It's the intellectual property that an interior designer brings to a project um, and how they can bring that artistic vision to transform your space. And that is priceless because, like right. you said, and they can't do it on their own. Right. And that's why you're that's why you're being paid. Also, too, um, something you just said reminded me that. Uh, managing your client's expectations. That's a hard thing to do as well. So when you, when they do say, I want this marble table and this is exactly what I want and this is how it has to be, or, you know, I just feel like the fabric selections you picked aren't exactly in line with what I want. So you go back and spend another three hours managing your expectations is super critical because I find that if you tell the client, you know, that's no problem at all. And it's going to take me roughly five hours to achieve that they're like okay because you've you've told them about it you know mm-hmm. versus kind of coming in through the back door and later on saying oh here's your bill for 15 hours you know that gets you in a lot of trouble and it's it takes again you have to f- learn how to flex that muscle and practice being transparent with what you're doing because oftentimes that or mostly all the time that's a lot more effective than explaining after the fact. 
Very true. And, and, in our business, I think that there are a lot of, um, not so much with our time, but there, there can be a lot of hidden costs. A lot of consumers don't understand, you know, yes. about freight and delivery and setup fees and installation fees. And like, there's just, there's so much yeah. to what we do and it requires so many people and so many vendors to do one thing. And a lot of people just do not understand that. Um, so it can get extremely right. expensive. Um, I'm curious, um, for my own sake, hopefully the, uh, audience agrees with me here. Um, I'm really curious what does, and I know from experience that no two projects are alike, but tell us what a, um, typical interior design, um, process looks like for you, like a client, a potential client reaches out to you and says that they're interested in interior design and how does your process then kind of unfold? Let's see. Well, for an interior design project, the way it typically goes is I always, people like to say, hey, can you just give me a sense of pricing or what this is going to look like or just send me something? And I understand why they're saying that because they kind of just want that warning of sorts or information before I walk through the door. But for me, the only way I can really wrap my brain around something is by meeting the people, meeting the client and meeting is actually seeing the space in person. So for me, I always have an in-person walkthrough so that I can feel it, see it, and also catch the vibe of the client because whether they know it or not, they're telling you a lot just in that conversation. And frankly, at this point in my career, they're also telling me whether or not I want to work with them. Yeah. You know, are they, <laughs> are they open? Are they excited? Are they rude? Are they, you know, unreasonable. You can catch some of these things when you're having that in-person meeting and that's very helpful. So for me, we usually have that meeting connect and then I will put together a proposal for them. I personally like to put together a proposal that kind of outlines what the expectations are for the project, what we're looking to achieve and an estimate of how many hours I think that should take. And from that office, me and my team will sit down with what those notes were. You know, now we know they hate wrought iron. Now we know they love color. Okay, great. Check, check, check. And then we can boil that down and give them a presentation on that second meeting. Well, now third, if you include the first meeting. That really probably is pretty close to what they're looking for. And then we start to execute and hope that there's no huge problems. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's such a a great way to approach it. And it took me several years to be able to get the confidence of just kind of spitting out numbers and, and kind of setting some guidelines, because I think that's a great way to um, kind of prepare people and to see their reaction because yes, you're hiring them just as much as they're hiring you. And right. As you've done interior design long enough, you've had those projects and you've had those clients that have made your life a living hell and it's not mm -hmm. worth it. And as no. a young designer, you think, oh, but I'm going to starve. I have to take this project and I have to put up with this horrible person because I need the money. Um, you'll find that it is better if you do catch those red flags and you do catch it ahead of time. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really great to just spit out a number and see if they twitch. I mean, if you say right. $20,000 right. and their eye twitches, you know, that they're not going to be too comfortable with that. Right. Um, do you have uh, minimums? Like I, uh, I met Nathan Turner last year, and uh, he was talking about all the, you know, the great projects that he's done. And, you know, I could tell that these were multi-million-dollar projects. And I was just curious if he um, had project minimums. And he said, "Well, you know, I used to, you know, take really low budgets of like fifty thousand, but now I don't." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, I, you know, like a fifty thousand dollar job would be great for me." But um, what is there? Like, if somebody comes to you and says, "You know, I have twenty thousand dollars to spend," is that a project that you can work with, or do you are you now at a place to where you can say our project minimum is fifty thousand dollars and above? At this point in my career, I don't have anyone calling that doesn't know the process and doesn't understand that they are calling for a very serious service for which they pay good money for. But I would say one thing in regards to that, which is uh, I like to make sure that, you know, some interior design firms are very kind of snobby about what they will and will not do. 
Whereas I like to make sure that those airs are not anywhere near my company. And we've had a lot of customers who have come in and said, hey, you know, this is kind of a small project. Would you take it on? And then two years later, they call us for their $3 million Hamptons home that they have now purchased, which is a big project. So I just like to make sure that we're not closing any doors by being elitist because you never know. Right. So would you, um, like if somebody called up and said, you know, I just need a little bit of sprucing up, I've, you know, um, I want to spend $3,000. Would you take a project that is that small since, I mean, you guys are dealing with I wouldn't. With yeah. That's no, what I was thinking. at this point I would not. No. Um, For me, that's not worth my time or my people's time, but yeah, no, at this point, no. I, at this point I would say if you don't come in with like, if I'm not going to at least at the minimum profit $5,000 for two weeks of work, I'm not, I would say no. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point. Um, when we're looking at interior designers who are not making very much money, it's because they are not paying it. You had mentioned earlier about just really paying attention to where your profit centers are and, and what you are making money on or what you think you're making money on. Um, because a lot of times we do get lost in the details mm -hmm. and, I've written or I've, I've read a lot of studies that have been written on where designers lose a lot of their time, which can be in the project management stage because there's a lot of little phone calls, emails, little things like that, little tidbits yes. that we, we lose like 60% of our time. And I think that a lot of um, interior designers kind of go down a rabbit hole and lose a lot of money in that area. And they mm -hmm. don't know and, and basically say, look, if I don't make a minimum of this amount of money, um, because they don't know their product and their time well enough to know when they're breaking even or even losing money, um, that's right. when you end up in the red. And so I think that's a really important lesson um, from a business standpoint of knowing, you know, like in order for me to take on this project, I have to be able to uh, walk away uh, with this amount of money. And I think it's important for that because what a lot of people don't realize is that, like you said, you have 15 mouths to feed. You have overhead, right. you have insurance, you have um, staff that you have to take care of, you have business costs. There's a lot of things that are associated. It's not just you going in and, and making a house pretty and fluff and pillows. I mean, this is a business. Right. And I right. think a lot there's a lot of at stake. Yeah. And a lot of people fail to see that. I think that, you know, one of the things that interior designers, I think, get a lot is when you say that you're an interior designer, everybody says, oh, gosh, how fun, you know? Right. And you're it's like, like, oh, yeah, it's a real laugh a minute over here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> and I've heard, too, it's something like it's only 15 percent creativity and like 80 percent, 85 percent business. Like, you know, yeah, 15 percent generous. Exactly. <laughs> I would say that it is too. And it's a lot of babysitting and, you know, you're chasing people down. And like, I think that what would be the funniest thing in the world is for like, I don't know, five to 10 interior designers to get together and to talk about their stories, like the shit that goes on behind the scenes that the clients don't mm -hmm. know about, but like the shit that goes mm -hmm. down. Because I mean, when you're in the thick of it, like you want to like roll in a ball and cry and you know, you, you just want to yeah, get out of the situation. But looking back, like I look back at some of the situations that I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't even know how I survived that. That is so funny. Like seriously, you can't make mm -hmm. some of this stuff up. So uh, yeah. What are you some, did, uh, what, what would be one I of have... your funny stories? I mean, it, it week alone, we had, two $20,000 couches, $20,000 a piece couches delivered to this building. And we got there and there's like a inch of, they're just basically an inch longer than what we had, what was listed as what they were. So they just simply will not fit into the elevators. Oh no. And these people live on the 30th floor. Oh my God. So we have these <laughs> amazing we have forty thousand dollars worth of couch sitting in the lobby of this building and there's no way to get it up the elevator or the stairs because they're too long for the turn on the stairs so we're just like what do we do here you know it's like i my one of my workers called me basically in tears it's like, okay so we had to call something uh known as the couch surgeon and that's their sole job as the couch surgeon to come in and essentially operate on the couch, take it completely apart, and then put it completely back together. Oh my God. So I didn't even that know cost such a another thing $5,000. And the clients were horrified, as <gasps> I was too. 
And so, you know, that one was this week. That was stressful. And because also, too, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about the fact that, you know, who's going to get blamed for $40,000 worth of lost uh, goods? It, probably me. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's a pretty serious problem we have on our hands. <laughs> but luckily, it ended up working out. Oh, my gosh. Um, but also, too, you know, a couple of months ago, I walked into a big, huge project checking it out, walking through, making sure everything's on schedule, under budget, going smoothly. And I walk into this huge living room space and all the wallpaper is up and is completely incorrect. <gasps> Just like beyond not what, what it was supposed to be. Oh no. And so, you know, something like that, you have to take all the wallpaper down, re-skim coat the walls, re-prep the walls, order the new wallpaper. This is a lot of cost that is out the window. So... Yeah, it's it's not that that funny. <laughs> no, in hindsight, it's a little funny when I think back on walking into the red wallpaper room versus what was supposed to be gray. But <laughs> oh my god, yeah, and and that's the thing is that it is. It, I think that's another thing that people don't realize is that there is a lot of risk involved in this business. It's not like oh yeah, a consulting you know firm where you're simply giving advice and and you know there's there's no cost of goods at stake. I mean, what an interior designer, one the level of money that that we're responsible for and that goes through our uh, you know funnels through our businesses, but then also yeah. the responsibility of managing all all of the moving parts, all of the logistics, and yes. then making sure that every single tiny detail is as it's supposed to be. It's, it, it's yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. And I think too, like to your point earlier, you know, 15% would be devoted to creativity, which again, I think that number is probably a little bit high, but that's so true. You know, the amount of math that's involved in, in running the business correctly is, is very significant on every level, you know, managing the project budget itself and then managing your profit margins and your overhead. It's like nonstop math. I feel very grateful for my uh, iPhone calculator put that way. <laughs> I know. What did we do before the technology in our hands, right? I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. No idea. So another thing that I, I, as I was like doing, and I told Corey, I wasn't going to do this, but then I realized I wanted to know a little bit so that, um, I could get a feel for who you were. But I, as I was going through, um, your about page, I was cracking up. I was like, oh my God, she's just like a, a regular old Renaissance woman. Um, you mm -hmm. are also an artist. So tell us about, yeah. you know, doing your art and giving back and like, um, you know, offering that up. I thought that was such um, a great outlet for you because interior design can be quite stressful. And so I thought art right. was, um, a great way to kind of channel that energy, so to speak, when couches Absolutely. don't fit. <laughs> right. So tell us about your yeah. art. Yeah, it kind of was accidental, uh, happy thing that occurred. I, like I said earlier, we do a lot of staging work. So we're doing the huge installations and kind of, conscious and also sometimes it calls for large-scale art large-scale art is very and it's also very expensive so i said all right well if i just brought a canvas in here and paint colors of the space together via that canvas it would solve multiple problems and it would, it would look good and no one would water and that was that and it, it just kind of was like yeah, did it of like logic, and then I kind of found that I was enjoying the. Someone walked in, this girl said, "How much is?" And he said, "Who?" First said, "Who did that art?" And I was so self-conscious. I'm like, "Oh, um, you know, I'm not sure. I'll let you know." No, I did it because I didn't know what it, what the feedback would be, and I said, "Well, why?" And he said, "Because uh, the client wants to purchase it." And I was like, "Huh? You know, <laughs> you don't say, really." So um, I had to keep my poker face in line, but um, it kind of one thing led to another and they, I would do it and then people would ask if they could buy it. So I figured, I felt, again, I felt a little shy about it, but I have always uh, worked with the Special Olympics and that's a uh, organization I take very seriously and like to do things with. So I figured, okay, this is the best of both worlds. I can do my art and give back to the Special Olympics, and then I won't feel – I'll feel more bold in my pricing and my 
abilities because something good is coming out of it. Yeah, I love so that. That went that went well. Yeah, I and I, I love that it goes for a good cause because I think you're right. I think that um, if it if the proceeds are going to something that is really benefiting um, something else that goes to a good cause, you are going to be more bold. And, and, you know, instead of saying, Oh, well, I'll sell to you for a thousand, you'll be like, that's 20 grand. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you like, that's helping a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you're, if you're going to put this in your house, then you're going to pay this because you're, it's, you know, going towards charity. And I, I think that's brilliant because I think that, um, you will be able to stand a little bit taller and, and be a little bit more confident in asking for more money. And then, and then you feel great because then you you're going to them with this big fat check and you can say, here you go. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is everybody awesome. wins. Yeah, yeah. It's a win, win, win. So, um, what is, you know, I, I feel like maybe you've done projects outside of New York, uh, with the Bravo show. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. what is it like doing design in New York versus another city? Is there a pretty big difference for you? Let's see. Um, well, first, it's it's very interesting to understand uh, like the price per square foot of homes throughout the country versus New York City. You know, price per square foot in New York City, we're talking two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars. It's absurd. Whereas, you know, we were shooting the show in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was just incredible. This massive, gorgeous, you know, mansion was four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah my one bedroom 400 square foot apartment is $500,000. Wow. So that, that was just a very interesting <laughs> lesson in, in uh, real estate across the United States. But um, I don't know. Other than that, it was, it's somewhat similar. Everybody's been, uh, everyone's excited and eager and smart, you know, with both their real estate choices and their design choices and that seems to be a sort of universal thing that I've found, which is great. I went to New York over uh, Christmas and I met with one of my girlfriends who is an architect. And she was telling me, like, um, she doesn't have to deal with as much as an interior designer because she's doing the drawings and stuff. But um, she was kind of telling me how, you know, like from the designers that she's worked with and who she knows, she, she's like, you know, when they do installations, they have to double park. They're dealing with elevators, you know. Oh, yeah. There's, like she was saying all of these things that a designer has to do. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, because I'm in Nashville. Like, mm. you know, we've got driveways that can can park 16 cars. Like we don't have those kinds of issues. And like we can be right. leisure and we don't have people honking at us and yelling at us. And we don't have to deal with elevators. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could ever be a designer in New York. I'd probably have a panic attack because I don't know the way. <laughs> Actually, that's right. I'm so used to it that I forget about that reality. But no, there's nothing like it. I mean, the it's the highest level of stress. It's the highest level of pressure. Uh, elevator, you can't get into the building unless uh, you have you know, a million dollar liability insurance. So even something small like your crate and barrel delivery can get rejected and you have to start from scratch. Um, insurances for a painter to come in, you know, you have a huge moving truck because we have a lot of furniture that we're constantly, uh, bringing it's coming and going from our warehouse. That's a massive, like 18 wheeler truck, basically that's navigating New York city. Oh my God. You know, God. that's not, that's, there's a, the amount of trouble that occurs every day with that poor vehicle is, is high. Yeah. I forget about that. It's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, she was she was talking about how um, she was doing a job over Christmas, and they had purchased thirty five thousand dollars worth of marble for because they were remodeling a master uh, bedroom uh, bathroom or master bathroom, and she was saying that the slabs got rejected and they couldn't, and it was the same thing. It was like on the seventy fifth floor, and they got rejected, and she's like, "What the hell am I supposed to do with you know thirty thousand dollars worth of marble that they won't let me take up?" Mm -hmm. And um, I still have not spoken with Angie to find out like what happened, but like I was thinking, oh my god, like I I I couldn't deal with that. I you know they yeah. say that designers like we should say on our business cards like professional problem solver. 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel pretty damn good as a problem solver. And I think very quickly on my feet because I have to, because otherwise you're not good at what you do. Um, but that sure. like adds like a whole nother level. That's like, that's like mm-hmm. master guru level that I don't know that I am. <laughs> right, 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 right. Qualified. It for. is. Uh, one of my um, employees was saying, you know, the other day something got a little messed up and I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, you know, yesterday you said that this is what was going to happen. And I'm like, yesterday? Yesterday doesn't count. You know, like so much has changed since yesterday. Like that's so irrelevant. Like what's happening now in real time in this crazy city? Because, yeah, things change like in one second flat. But, yeah, I always say I shouldn't say this to anybody, never mind to you. But, you know, am I the best interior designer in New York City? No, but am I the quickest thinker? I could almost probably take credit for that because that it's like survival of the fittest over there. It's nuts. Yeah, and you do for you sure. do have to think quickly on your feet because um, shit is constantly going wrong. I mean, nothing, no project mm-hmm. is ever mm-hmm. perfect, and I, I yeah. really feel like that's where when a, a client really wants to question your value. I think that that's where you can really stand tall and say, you know what, like not only am I a problem solver, but I take that off your plate. Like you can literally enjoy the process and this can be a fun experience for you because all the heat is going to come onto me. And so, you know, um, I have like my project manager and I laugh about like over the years we, we think back to, you know, just the weird things that have happened and popped up and the shit that has happened that we've had to be solution oriented around that our clients have absolutely no idea that happened and no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Things that got switched or or things that happened, things that showed up in the wrong color, things that got, you know, went missing, like, but we fixed it before they knew so that the, the end of the day, the result is their experience and that's what they pay us for. Mm -hmm. And I think they fail to, um, realize like just how much time, effort and stress is involved in a project. And that, you know, I think a lot of people think like, Oh, why am I going to hire you to do that? I mean, it's so expensive. I could just do it myself, but I don't think they really realize what they're signing up for. (laughs) Right. And that's also too. I mean, I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from our conversation. Like, uh, I've had a lot of clients, um, kind of not so much now obviously but before said okay well, I think I could probably handle this myself so okay great good and then halfway through the project they call and say yeah um I'm sorry about that I'm gonna need you to come in this is way more than I bargained for because it is yeah. you know it's 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 huge Especially it's a full-time you job don't know how to do it you know and you watch a little show right. or something you think oh I can totally do this this is easy and you're like no they didn't show you everything <laughs> right I uh, they I actually uh right that's the pro and the con of those HGTV shows. Yeah. And I remember I lived in Vegas for a couple of years and, and one of the projects that we were working on, the, the client was like, you know, my accountant just told me to go get a business license and a resale license so that I can just get everything at wholesale on it. You know, that way I don't have to pay you and, you know, pay all the exorbitant fees. And we ran into her like 18 months later and she said, I will never, ever, ever in my life do a project on my own again. And she's like, I had no idea <laughs> how hard a project is how much management and paperwork is involved. She's like, I was on the phone nonstop mm-hmm. for 18 months. And she's like, I was so stressed out that I ne- I didn't even enjoy my house because I hated it because everything had a, a bad story attached to it. And I was like, your Stress interior. Of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I yep. said, but your interior designer shields you from all that so that the process is enjoyable and you love your home and that's what you want. But, you know, until she went through that experience, yeah. she just didn't get it. So that's what she they need know. to put on, yep. you know, that's what they need to educate people with and show them. And, and that's why I crack up when I see, sorry, there's a lot of, um, online places that are popping up that are offering interior design for like a hundred dollars or $199 to completely redo a space. What do you think about those? Fine, but you're going to get what you pay for and you're going to have your entire house, which I think is the best design idea. So yeah. I, I, the, the whole goal of a designer is to make a space feel eclectic and like you and, you know, I don't think anybody is all pottery on or shouldn't be anyone. 
Yeah, I feel like it really sacrifices the artistic edge and the, and the wow factor that a true professional can give a person. A hundred percent. You're, you're, it's commercializing, uh, you know, like I, I get artist. it. And yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's very, you're just going to be dialing in what's in the cat, the catalog. And that's not really, that's not really good for anybody other than Pottery Barn, just increasing sales, which yeah. they barely, they're fine. I think. <laughs> Last I th- yeah, I think so. So tell us about your, we mentioned it a, a minute ago, but not in detail. Tell us about your Bravo show. Um, how did that come about and what's it about and what do you love about it? Yeah. So the show, you know, I would love to say that they just called me one day and say, Hey, come on in. You're so great. We love you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Guess what? That's not how it went. (laughs) They, um, we were working on a show concept for seven years and it was, uh, ongoing and we filmed one pilot that at the final hour uh, didn't work out. And so Bravo said, you know, hey, that didn't work out, but we're super excited about you and we're going to work with you. And I was kind of like, you know, crying in my pillow, like, (laughs) yeah, right, it's just over. And then um, I had just kept the conversation going with Bravo. I kept going in. I was pitching various networks. I was signed with a production company and we kept going in and in and in. And then finally Bravo called and said, all right, we're ready. We have the perfect project. Let's do this. But it was over the course of seven years. So the moral of the story is with like anything else, it just be patient because everything takes a really long period of time. But um, I was really happy it did take that period of time because this show is super fun. It's really nice. It's not mean. It's not, you know, doing anything at anyone's expense. You know, a lot of these reality shows are not necessarily kind shows Mm. um this one is helping couples figure out where to live so each party member has their own home and uh we are deciding okay you know this one is is there's something wrong with that house and there's a little something wrong with that house i come in and make the edits to each home to make them work for the couple and the family while my co-star reza farahan he goes and shows them two new properties that will work with them and they could start fresh so in the end, they have four properties to choose from, uh, which is, in, for a moment, more confusing, but then it works out in the end. <laughs> uh, and, and the lesson or moral of the story is, is perseverance pays off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I yes. love the show. I think it's really fun, and, and I agree. I like that it's um, – I think it has a real positive spin to it, which I, you know, think is nice compared to some of them that are out there. I, I do agree that some of them have gotten quite nasty and it just makes my yeah. skin crawl. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. work for me. Um, so, and, and I like that um, it, it has a, a really positive feeling around um, the styling and the interior design as well and, and how it can um, change the feel of a space. Yeah, and I, I think um, for me, people kind of, sometimes talk about interior design and one's home as a luxury good, but it's a very essential human need, if not one of the most next to food and water. And so no matter who you are or where you come from or what your budget is, you want a space that you can call home and that you can feel safe in and you can feel built up in. And to me, doing this show only further proved that, you know, these people are stressed out and upset and trying to figure out where to really place their roots and it's 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 an honor to be a part of something like that you know because it's it's life-changing yeah I agree and and it's it's really fun to you know kind of see it unfold and transform throughout the show and so give us a little bit of details on Bravo um what time or does it is it the times different across depending on what network they're on well, the season itself actually just uh, ended. So we're, the season just finished out. We had 10 episodes. You can watch it on iTunes. But um, right now we're just gearing up for uh, a second season. So stay tuned for when that will be on the network. But, um, yeah, you can watch it on iTunes right now. It was on at Mondays at 10 o'clock. But we just wrapped our 10th episode. And that's that. And are they going to be playing? Bravo's pretty good about usually rerunning the shows. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they'll probably do that as well, so you can like uh, DVR Absolutely. it and and yes. catch them all. 
Um, yes. And, and have and, a good laugh. Yeah. And see Taylor's sassy, sassiness on the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience today? Any like really cool upcoming projects or um, anything that you're going to be launching or anything like that? Uh, well, I'm working on some really exciting things with uh, Robert Allen, the, the fabric, fabric. Mm-hmm. company. Also, Lillian August. I don't know um, if who, who, who would know what that story is, but I have an exciting project coming out with them. And uh, I also have been working on a really fun project with Lindemann's Wine, because as far as I'm concerned, wine is a critical part of every good design. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of stuff coming. And of course, the show. Stay tuned for what's going to be happening with the show, because that's a lot of fun, very entertaining and good takeaway as well. Perfect. And if people want to learn more about you um, and check you out, what's your website? It is taylorspellman.com and uh, taylor underscore spellman for Instagram. And yeah. Yeah. Check out it's our pretty, Instagram. It's, it's really fun. I like your, I like your yeah, Instagram. We have fun. <laughs> well, we taylor, have fun on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. And I'm sorry that we kept having technical difficulties. That was kind of a bummer, but I think we got it worked out and it turned out okay. And it was really fun talking to you about New York City and design and budgets and um, taking your business seriously. Yes. And to the next level. And And perseverance is the the key word here for everything. So yeah, (laughs) perseverance pays off. We'll we'll let that be the mantra of the show. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is fantastic. I really appreciate it. Have a great 2017. Yes. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, it's funny. When Taylor was talking about how she was explaining or sharing the the story of her colleague um, that asked, you know, she was asking her, well, what went wrong? Why why are you having a problem? And she said, well, yesterday you said that this, this, and this were going to happen. And Taylor's response was, yesterday, so much has changed. It made me think of a a really fun quote. Um, My David has been touring with Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, and he was recently here at the house. And um, what I found so interesting is he recently did an interview, and the number one question that Billy constantly gets is, when is the band getting back together? And I loved his answer because he said, my thoughts on that are limited. A lot has changed since we have not played. And I thought that was really brilliant because I think that too often, and and I see politicians get held to this a lot, and I think I've said this a lot on the the podcast itself, is that we hold people to um, things that we say and we hold people to, you know, the things that occurred, you know, uh, a week ago or yesterday or, or in past time. And what we really need to focus on is the now and what's happening now. Things are moving at a really rapid pace um, and nothing is faster than what interior design is today. It really needs to be seen as something of value and something of beauty and true artistry. And I really love that about Taylor because I think she brings all three of those to the table in a beautiful and fun way. Be sure to check out her show on Bravo as she said it has just wrapped but I guarantee you it'll be on reruns. It's a super fun show. It's very lighthearted. Um, it'll warm your heart which I love um, and I really hope that you've enjoyed the show today. I apologize again for the technical difficulties. I tried to clean it up as best as possible um, but I really do think that it turned out to be a great show. If you've got questions or comments for me you can find me at gatesinteriordesign.com. I am all over social media, so be sure to look me up. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review. would love to hear from you. And other than that, bye for now.